Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. These days, there aren't many places you can go without wearing your mask. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Unbeknownst to many, there's been a mask put on the Messiah. Let's talk about it. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We love to hear from you. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. A big shalom to our listeners in California and Canada. Listen out for Red Pill Torah on a radio station near you. The Torah readings are still covering the life of Joseph. His actual name is Yosef, which translates as increaser or may he add. There's a related Hebrew verb, yesop, which means to add, increase, or repeat. Joseph's life is, in so many ways, a picture of the Messiah. We want to look at some of those pictures in this episode. It reminds me of looking at a fine-cut diamond with many sparkling facets. As you change the diamond's position, it catches different rays of light and may reflect different colors or patterns, yet it is the same jewel. All the facets simply work together to paint a fuller picture. The facet of Joseph's name and its meaning, which is increaser or may he add, reminds me of the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 5 through 7. We hear them a lot around Christmas, so these scriptures may sound familiar. Reading from the King James Version, they say, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase in his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of Jehovah Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts, will perform this. Amen. Under the Messiah, Yeshua's rule, his kingdom will increase. Also, he will accomplish what no other leader could ever do. He will actually increase the peace. Hallelujah. Breshit, or Genesis chapter 39, verses 3 and 4, describes Joseph this way. Yehovah was with Joseph, and his master became wealthy while Joseph was in his household. His master saw how Yehovah was with him, that Yehovah prospered everything he did. In verses 21 through 23 of the same chapter, Joseph had been jailed under false accusations, but he was described in a similar way. Reading from verse 21, it says, But Yehovah was with Joseph, showing him grace and giving him favor in the sight of the prison warden. The prison warden made Joseph supervisor of all the prisoners in the prison, so that whatever they did there, he was in charge of it. The prison warden paid no attention to anything Joseph did because Yehovah was with him, and whatever he did, Yehovah prospered. Just as the Messiah prospers in all that he does and will do, Joseph was divinely able to succeed at every task. We know that Joseph's brothers despised him. Uh, Genesis 37 verses 3 and 4 describe the relationship between Joseph and his brothers. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph the most of all his children because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a long-sleeved robe. 
When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they began to hate him and reached the point where they couldn't even talk to him in a civil manner. In describing Yeshua, the prophet Isaiah wrote the following, People despised and avoided him, a man of pains, well acquainted with illness. Like someone from whom people turned their faces, he was despised. We did not value him. That's Isaiah 53, verse 3. We recognize our Messiah in the entire chapter. Ultimately, we know that the religious leaders in Israel rejected Yeshua and sought to have him killed. So true, Mama. We also know that he, like Joseph, was given over to the Gentiles. In Yeshua's case, it was the Roman army, Gentiles, who killed Yeshua, the innocent son who was the chosen of the father. Joseph, the recipient of his father's firstborn blessing, was given over to a passing caravan of Gentiles. Genesis 37 tells us about Joseph's brother's plot to kill him, and how Reuben convinced them to throw Joseph into a pit instead. Verse 28 says, So when Midianite merchants passed by, and these were Gentiles, they drew and lifted Joseph up out of the pit and sold him for half a pound of silver shekels to the Ishmaelites, more Gentiles, who took Joseph on to Egypt, more Gentiles. Later, when Joseph had risen to power, he could have easily taken revenge on his brothers from the story we see that Joseph chose a different path. In Genesis 45, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. At that time, he was the second most powerful ruler in the known world. His decision to be good to his brothers was powerful. Starting at verse 3, we read, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is it true that my father is still alive? His brothers couldn't answer him. They were so dumbfounded at seeing him. Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer. And they came closer. He said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't be sad that you sold me into slavery here, or angry at yourselves, because it was Elohim who sent me ahead of you to preserve life. The famine has been over the land for the last two years, and for yet another five years there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Mm. Elohim sent me ahead of you to ensure that you will have descendants on earth and to save your lives in a great deliverance. So it was not you who sent me here, but Elohim. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of all his household, and ruler over the whole land of Egypt. Just as Joseph forgave his brothers for their poor treatment of him, even though he knew that they meant it for evil, Yeshua forgave. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 23 gives an account of Yeshua's crucifixion. Starting at verse 32, it says, Two other men, both criminals, were led out to be executed with Yeshua. When they came to the place called the Skull, they nailed him to a stake, and they nailed the criminals to stakes, one on the right and one on the left. Yeshua said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. By saying that the people did not know what they were doing when they crucified Yeshua, Yeshua graciously categorized their sin as unintentional. In Numbers 15, 27 through 31, the Torah distinguishes between a sin of ignorance and a presumptuous or intentional sin. Sacrifices were accepted for unintentional sins, but the presumptuous sins had to be borne by the sinner. Wow. The New Testament agrees with that scripture. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 26 says, for if we deliberately continue to sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, mm. 
but only the terrifying prospect of judgment, of raging fire that will consume the enemies. Someone who disregards the Torah of Moshe is put to death without mercy on the word of two or three witnesses. Think how much worse will be the punishment deserved by someone who has trampled underfoot the son of Elohim, who has treated as something common the blood of the covenant which made him holy, and who has insulted the spirit, giver of Jehovah's grace. Daddy, we should all be grateful for the forgiveness of sin because all sin is an offense to Jehovah. Mm -hmm. Yeshua covered us all, even as he was being killed for our sins. Amen, Mama. Hey, uh, let's discuss one more powerful picture of Yeshua in the life of Joseph. Now, I doubt that this one comes up in church very often. You mentioned Genesis 45, when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Mm -hmm. Now, think about why they did not recognize him, their own brother. Nothing about him seemed familiar to them. No doubt, Joseph was groomed and dressed like an Egyptian idolater, not like a covenant son of Israel. I imagine that he was wearing that eye makeup, you know, the headdress and the robes that we see depicted on ancient drawings of Egyptian rulers. Mm -hmm. His head may have been completely shaved, and his beard surely did not look anything like a Hebrew's beard. Now, his accent probably sounded like an Egyptian accent, and he was surrounded by Egyptian foreigners doing his bidding. He didn't even use his given name, Joseph. There was likely nothing about Joseph that would have tipped off his brothers to his real identity. When Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, there's a piece of convincing evidence that he may have shown to validate his identity. In keeping with the covenant of Elohim passed down from Abraham, Joseph was circumcised on his eighth day of life. Egyptians would not have known anything about the sign of the covenant. Just as Joseph was unidentifiable by his brothers, Yeshua is unidentifiable by some of his Jewish brothers today. The church has changed his name to Jesus, a very Roman sounding name, and we've dressed him to look more like a blonde haired, blue eyed European with a Roman toga instead of a Middle Eastern Jewish man from 2000 years ago. The church has even removed the signs of the eternal covenant of Elohim. It has discarded the Sabbath for Sunday, discarded the dietary instructions. Check out our episode 15 entitled, Don't Eat That, for more information. And discarded the discipline of a holy lifestyle for what we call grace. We even disregarded Yeshua's own words about his intent regarding the law of Moses. In Matthew 5, verses 17 through 18, Yeshua said, Don't even think that I have come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to uphold it. Yes, indeed, I tell you that until heaven and earth pass away, not so much as a jot or tittle will pass from the Torah, not until everything that must happen has happened. Daddy, the King James translators use the word fulfill. The Hebrew definition of fulfill does not mean to do away with, but to confirm or support. It's time to learn the truth. Hey, I'm with you, Mama. It's time to unmask the Messiah and to put away the pagan disguise. It's time to accept Yeshua as he is, the Hebrew Jewish Savior of the world. Amen. Both he and the word of Elohim came to us in a Hebrew context. Now, if we want to have a greater understanding of our Heavenly Father and Messiah, we need to understand and embrace them in that Hebrew context. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life 
and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and keep embracing traditions that disguise the Messiah as something he spoke against? Or would you take the red pill, unmask the Messiah, and embrace Yeshua for who he is? Only you can answer that question. Bible scholar Nehemiah Gordon wrote a short book called The Hebrew Yeshua versus the Greek Jesus. In it, he outlines many of the differences in the way Christians portray Jesus compared to what the scriptures say about him and what he says about himself. It is a must read if you are serious about that red pill. If you are beginning to realize that you may have to change your mind on some things about Yeshua, it doesn't mean you weren't saved. It simply means you are being challenged to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, or Yeshua the Messiah. Welcome to the club. Well, that's all we have time for today. Please listen again online and share this with a friend. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah, where you can handle the truth. truth.